All right, hey, grab your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, and we're in a series of messages that we called Kingdom Cause, and we're talking about the kingdom of God. And, um, and, uh, and so last week we talked about uh, really priority and how powerful priorities are. And this week I want to continue and, and I want to talk about, really want to talk about the power of the kingdom of God. And so if you're in Matthew chapter 12, verse uh, 22, we're going to read, there's really just one verse that I'm after. Uh, but, but I want to give the context of the verse. And so this is somewhere kind of early in Jesus' ministry, probably within the first year or a year and a half uh, of his ministry. John the Baptist has been arrested. Um, there's, there's a lot going on. And Jesus has this pretty intense encounter with the Pharisees where they basically call him the devil. And, uh, and yeah, they, it's a swing and a miss, ladies and gentlemen. Anyways, uh, Matthew 12, verse 22, it says, then, then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed. Now, just time out. Now, see, if you don't believe in demons, um, you and Jesus should talk about it. I'm not trying to glorify demons. I'm just saying we got a lot of people believing a lot of things. And I think you should go back to the Bible and try to work that. <laughs> well, I'm living my truth. No, you're not. You're living your lie. And if you're happy that way, that's fine. But it could, you know, how can the blind lead the blind? Well, they not both. There's so many things I want to say today. Matthew 12, 22. <laughs> Listen, y'all better behave today. Don't get me in trouble today. Don't get me in trouble. So they brought him one who was demon possessed, blind and mute. Wow. So like some sickness could come from demonic oppression. I'm just reading the Bible to you. That's all I'm doing. Like, oh my God, why do you say, what's right? This is your Bible. I don't have a special copy. I cut and paste this from my Bible app. <laughs> Same app you can have. And he healed him so that the blind and mute both spoke and saw. And the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? Now, when the Pharisees heard it, Got to watch out for religious people will kill a revival before it even starts. Now, when the Pharisees heard it, they I think I must be getting old. My dream was always to get old and just say whatever I wanted to say. And I think I'm getting old. I'm just going to say what I want to say. And so the, anyways, and so they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub. Now, Beelzebub has its root in, it's like a, it, it, its root was actually in the Philist, it was like a Philistine deity, and then it was kind of had some roots in Babylon. But basically, they're saying he's Satan. Okay, so basically, because Beelzebub was the prince of demons or something like that. And so they're basically saying, and they said the ruler of the demons, right? Ruler of the demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, his, he is divided against himself, and how can his kingdom stand? Now, time out, because I just got to make the point of what Jesus just said. He said, here's what the devil's doing that the religious people hadn't figured out yet. The devil is actually in unified <laughs> We're denominationified. Did I say that out loud? The devil is... <laughs> We're going to have fun today, y'all. 
But he's saying the kingdom of darkness is actually unified and this, they're networked and this is how they work. He's actually, he's saying, listen, this is the difference between religious people and the kingdom of darkness. Y'all fighting about doctrine and they're unified and tearing stuff up. I'll just keep on reading. I shared that at a pastor's meeting one time. I didn't get invited back. It's been a long time ago. I'm just, I'm just saying, just saying. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, he said, then by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. In other words, you, you, know, you can't have a double standard. You can't be saying you are doing exorcisms by God, and somehow if I do an exorcism, it's by the devil. But here's my verse. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he plunder his house? He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. I want to talk about kingdom power, kingdom power. Um, and I did this on purpose by the power of the Holy Spirit because today is Pentecost Sunday, and I'm going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit and so, yeah, and everybody that's not Pentecostal got really nervous right there. <laughs> and they're leaning over like, Ethel, get your mask. We'll sneak out because he's going to pray. But we have locked all the doors. And um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Somebody online right now is like, thank God we didn't go today. <laughs> Let's pray together. Um, God, we want to be close to you. We don't want to miss this moment. We want to hear from you. God, this is, this is a divine moment that you have brought us to this place in your house to meet with you on this day. God, we don't want to miss it. Help us to regard this as holy because that's the way you see it. Uh, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Today actually marks, I don't, you may not know this, and you may, but just so we're all on the same page, today actually is Pentecost Sunday. Now, before you get nervous, because you were told the Pentecostals were crazy, and there are some that are. <laughs> and you need to distinguish that the Holy Spirit can be in a not-so-crazy person, and the Holy Spirit can be in a crazy person, but the Holy Spirit cannot be crazy. People can, but He is not. Okay, and, and so when we say Pentecost, maybe some people were taught, stay away from them, stay away from those people. It'll get on you. <laughs> they're going to sneak up on you, and they're going to put that Cinemona Honda right there on you. They're going to throw oil at you. And maybe you were taught, stay away from it. But, but let me explain, and I know it's scary, but let me explain what Pentecost actually means. Are you ready? Are you ready? Brace yourself. It's a very scary, the explanation. It means 50. Now, you don't have a problem with 50 when Grant's face is on it. <laughs> right? You don't. But that's what it means, 50. Penta is five. Costi is to the 10th power. Pentecost means 50. That's what the Greek word means, 50. 
And, and the reason it's 50 is because Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. That's what, that's what it's about. In, um, in Jewish tradition, culture, they celebrate, there are really seven feasts. There are uh, three major feasts. Passover, which with Passover, you have unleavened bread and first fruits. That's the first. Then, and then that's the first. So the first major one's Passover. And then the minor with the Passover, how you get seven is you have unleavened bread and first fruits. Then you have Pentecost. And then you have um, tabernacles, which with it has trumpets and the Day of Atonement. And so that's seven, if you do the math, or three major feasts. But Pentecost was initiated at Mount Sinai 50 days after the exodus of God's people out of Israel. And so thus it's called Pentecost because it's 50 days after Passover. Now knowing that, you don't have to be scared of the word anymore. When someone says, I'm Pentecostal, it's like, oh yeah, 50 days after Passover. Got it. <laughs> totally good. No longer scared by it. It has nothing to do with a banner or a streamer or a dancer or a spiritual painter. I'm not necessarily against those things. So if you're like, oh, but this is my minute, fine, bless you, praise the Lord. I'm just saying that's not what it is. It's not even a denomination. Pentecost is not, there are Pentecostal denominations. Pentecost is not a denomination. It's a God thing, not a man thing. And so I, I want to I talk about today this verse, because when we're talking about Pentecost, what we see is it started at Mount Sinai, but, and we'll get back to this, but in Acts chapter 2, said when the day of Pentecost had fully come. And this is Acts chapter 2, and this is where the Holy Spirit comes back to the church. And it's so significant. And so the, my, my concern is some people have, have grouped My concern is some people have put the Holy Spirit in a denominational box, and because that denominational box upsets you, you're missing out on who he is. Because you've made him a part and instrument of religion when he's actually a person who executes the kingdom of God on the earth. And so I want to talk about that. And so we're going to dive in. So this is what Jesus said. He's casting out demons. People are getting healed. Wouldn't that be fun, church? Right? Wouldn't that be fun? And so he's casting out demons. People are being healed. And, and, and Jesus says, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, this, this verse is so full. If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come to earth. So we got to talk about this. Write this down. I made my points very simple. The first one is the Holy Spirit is the most important person on the earth. You need to understand the Holy Spirit is not a doctrine. The Holy Spirit is not a power. He is not a force. And this may freak some people out, but he is not a ghost. Every time I preach on the Holy Spirit, I want to call it ghost stories. 
because being raised Pentecostal, I got some. Listen, y'all. But he is none of those things. The Bible is very clear, and I don't have time to teach it. By the way, I did a series a few years ago called Friend Request. I think it's audio only, but it's probably on our website somewhere uh, if you want to listen to that. But, but he is a person. He has a will. I could show you in Scripture. He has a will who has known the mind of the Spirit, right? He gives the gifts as he wills, right? And he has emotions. He can be grieved. So he is a person. He's a personality. He's a persona. He's a person. And so you need to understand that he is, and I'll show you this, the most important person on earth. Now, why is that? Now, remember, today we're going to talk about a kingdom, not about a religion. Because Jesus didn't come to earth to start a religion. He came to earth to bring a kingdom. Let me show you what I mean. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This is one of those you see on your Christmas card, but I want you to pay attention. It says, for, us, for unto us a child is born, a son is given. That's significant. Both of those are significant. And the government, and the government, not the religion, not a doctrine, not the keeper of theology. The government shall be on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And the government will be on his Shoulders, government, government. So Jesus did not come to earth to bring a religion. He came to earth to bring a government. Now, what we know is, and see if you can follow this, this should be review, but I'm going to, so I'm going to talk fast. The Bible talks about two realms, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. God was reigning over the spiritual realm, which is the kingdom of heaven, and decided to increase, because this is what kings do, they increase their territory, so God created a physical realm and wanted to reign over the physical realm the way he reigned over the spiritual realm, but if you reign over a physical realm, you have to be physical. So God created man in his image and in his likeness. And he said, I'm going to give the earth, the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth I've given to the sons of man. And so I want man to reign over the earth the way that I reign over the heaven. And essentially, God created a colony called earth from the kingdom called heaven. And he said, I'm going to colonize the earth. Now, if you study history, whether you're studying um, like the 13 colonies in the U.S. or whether you're studying Rome, when Rome, Rome was the first kingdom to colonize territory. So instead of conquering a territory and taking them, bringing them into exile back into Rome, they would colonize. So Rome takes over Jerusalem, right, over Israel, and they don't take them in exile like the Babylonians did. Instead, Rome decides they're going to colonize, so they send Roman citizens and a Roman governor. So in Jesus' day, that was Pilate. And so when you want to colonize a place, the most important person in that place is a governor. And the governor... 
knows the mind of the king, the heart of the king. He knows the culture, and he knows the language. And he comes, and he is put in that colony to represent the king and the kingdom. He's not, he's not voted in. He is sent by the king. Jesus said in John 14, 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Paul said to the Corinthians, for who knows a person's thoughts except his spirit? And in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So if you want to colonize a place, the first person you got to send is the governor. And God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the Spirit of God and man became a living being. Do you want me to give the short version so that you track with everything else I say? Pentecost is the return of the governor to the colony. Now that you have that filter, it's going to make, I, I should have started with that. Now that you have that filter, it's going to make this sermon so much easier for you to understand. But that's what Pentecost is. It is the return of the governor because he is sent to the colony with the heart, with the mind, with the understanding of culture to teach those in the colony the culture of the kingdom. To introduce the culture, to teach them all things. He's never from the colony because he is sent from the kingdom to convert those in the colony to look like and be kingdom citizens. That is what, that is what the, the governor does. He represents the, and listen, when the governor, wherever he is, wherever the governor is, the kingdom is. And wherever the governor is, the king is. There is, you cannot differentiate. He, he walks in the authority and the power of the king because he has been commissioned to represent fully the king and the kingdom in the colony to which he was sent. That is what the governor does. See, we, we think of governors in, in our democracy. And we have governors over each state. And while there are similarities, there are differences. In a monarchy, in a true kingdom... The governor becomes the most important person in the colony because he is the kingdom and he is the king. 
And he is there to convert and transform the colony. So when Jesus shows up in Matthew 4 and he starts preaching and he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. This is what he said. You're thinking like earth. But there's something here that's going to change the way you think. That's going to teach you a different culture. Eventually, it will, he will bring you a new language. And if he's here, the king's here. And if he's here, the kingdom is here. And why is Jesus preaching that message? Because Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. In him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily, the Bible says. So Jesus was there, Holy Spirit was there. Holy Spirit was there, governor was there. Governor was there, king was there, kingdom was there. Are you with me? And so is what Jesus said. I came because the governor's got to come back. Your connection with the king and the kingdom is contingent upon your relationship with the Holy Spirit. I think this is why the devil has fought so hard to confuse people when it comes to the Holy Spirit, to make us timid, to make us scared, to make us unsure, to make him a doctrine. Because if he's a doctrine, we can tie him up, put him in a book, and put him in the library, and we don't have to deal with him. But he's actually... The person that represents the kingdom. So he's the most important person on, life. Here's, on earth. Here's the second thing. Jesus' mission then was to bring the Holy Spirit back to earth. So, so um, the mission of Jesus. Now, help me. I want to say this. All due respect. The mission of Jesus. Let me say it this way. Come on, Marvel. The end game. The end game of the Avenger. Not Thanos, he's a bad guy. But the end game then was to bring the governor back to earth. Now, to do that, the governor needs a house. Oh, it's about to get good, y'all. It's going to get good. All right. Hold on, to your, hold on to your seat. So the first thing you build in a colony is a house for the governor because he needs a place to stay. And that house becomes the most important house because it houses the governor who represents the king and the kingdom. So God wants to colonize earth. The king wants to colonize earth. Then the first thing you got to do after you built earth is you got to make a house for the governor. So God took dirt And formed a house named Adam. And God said, and the governor moved into the governor's mansion. And then God said, take dominion, colonize, be fruitful, subdue, multiply. Now here's the problem. Man committed treason and declared their independence from the kingdom in Genesis chapter 3. 
They said, we're not going to be ruled by the governor. We're going to be ruled by what we want. And sin essentially is declaring independence from righteousness. And when man declared independence, when a colony declares independence, the first person to leave is the governor. Because his house has been overthrown. Are y'all having as much fun as I'm having? Are y'all having as much fun? Like, I'm having a great time. Y'all doing all right? Are y'all getting that? So in Genesis chapter 3, there was treason, treason, man declared independence, and the governor left the house. And for nearly 6,000 years, the governor was not in the colony. And Jesus shows up in Matthew chapter 4 and says, y'all got to change the way you've been thinking because I'm bringing the governor back. Come on, Timberlake. I'm bringing spirit back. I'm bringing spirit back. I'm sorry, that man over there is not saved. I'm going over here. <laughs> you need to get right. Are you getting that? So Jesus says of Luke 4, the Spirit has anointed. The governor has given me power. The kingdom gave him power, and the government gave me power, and the governor is empowering me to do the work and ministry to administrate the kingdom. So I'm going to declare the kingdom. I, I'm going to declare the kingdom to the poor, because in this kingdom, there's not supposed to be any poor. And I'm going to declare the kingdom to the bound, because in this kingdom, there's not supposed to be any bound. And I'm going to declare the kingdom to the bruised, because they're not supposed to be bruised, and there's not supposed to be blind. In fact, I'm here to preach about the grace of this kingdom to these people that have been trapped in the wrong kingdom. This was not that good when I wrote it. I've determined the difference must be y'all. Every time y'all show up, it gets better. And so what happened with Jesus? Oh, you got to think about this. I don't know what that was. The Holy Ghost. Woo! Get your purse, Ethel. Anyways. So Jesus comes with a mission of restoring the governor's mansion. He tells the Corinthians, Paul does, do you not know that your body is a temple for the Holy Spirit? Let me say again. Do you not know that your body is the governor's house? 
whom you have from God and that you are not your own. No, 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 no. God had to buy the mansion back so he could clean it up because it was left desolate and defiled and desecrated. And so the ministry of Jesus, the end game is to get the governor back in the mansion. The means to the end is I've got to clean the house up. If you don't understand grace, you're about to get a revelation. And so in the same chapter where he says your, your body's temple of the Holy Spirit, Paul says this. You were adulterers, and some of you were fornicators, and some of you were drunkards. And then he says this, but you have been justified. You have been sanctified, and you have been purified. In other words, Paul's like, y'all were a hot mess, and the governor cannot live in a dirty house. He cannot live in a desecrated house. He cannot live in a defiled house. And so Jesus came and with his blood, he did some spring cleaning and some renovations on the governor's mansions. And he tells the Corinthians, you've been cleaned up. And the reason I cleaned you up was so that the governor could come back to his house. Now you want to understand grace? If the, if, the, if the governor can't live, if the Holy Spirit can't live in a dirty house, and Paul says the governor and the Holy Spirit is living in you, he can't live in a dirty house. When Adam defiled the house, he had to leave. He can't live in a dirty house. But he's living in you then what's the conclusion? By the grace of God, you're not dirty anymore. Do you hear what I'm saying? You have been cleansed, sanctified, justified, purified, washed in the blood of Jesus. It cleaned up. It was an extreme home makeover. Move that bus. Have y'all ever seen when they move the bus and the people lose their minds? That's my, my favorite is when they just fall on the ground. I think that's what Pentecostals are. They just know the bus got moved and they're like, oh, God. <laughs> y'all should have as much fun as me at church. <laughs> this is a great message. It really is. Number three, write this down. Might catch my breath. I didn't know aerobics was required. They didn't teach that at Bible school. You got to get loosened up a little bit. Don't want to pull a muscle. That's how you know they're a Pentecostal preacher. If they pull a hammy during the sermon, they're Pentecostal right there. That's what you are. Number three, 
So the Holy Spirit is the most powerful person on earth. Come on, he's the most important. He's so important that the ministry of Jesus was aimed at getting him back in his mansion. Our mansions. By the way, would you catch the revelation that wherever the governor is, the king is, and the kingdom is, and the governor is in you, Like, you got that? That's the same thing Jesus said. He said, I cast out demons by the Spirit of God. What was he saying? It's the governor is here. The governor is here. So the king is here. So the king, if I cast out the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God's here. Who's always saying governor's here? And so the kingdom's here. And so the kingdom's here. And so, think about this. So the governor, that's what he said, if I cast out demons, how did he cast out demons? By the Spirit of God. Why did he cast out demons? Because the Spirit of God has anointed me to preach the gospel to the captive, to set at liberty the, the bound. Right? Because the governor, listen, he, ex he executes the will of the king. He doesn't come to testify of himself. That's words of Jesus, by the way. He doesn't come to bring glory to himself. He comes to testify about the king. He comes to bring glory to the king. He comes, oh, I forgot to tell you this. Can I tell you something real quick? He comes to teach you the history of the kingdom. Now, here's why. This is so good. When you take over a colony, you don't teach them about their history. You teach them about the kingdom. Do you know when Jesus said that the Holy Spirit convicts of righteousness? You remember that verse? It said, when, we come, when the Spirit of truth comes, He's going to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment, sin because I go to the Father, Righte no, sin because I'm, I'm going to die, righteousness because I go to the Father, and judgment because the rule of this world is condemned. You remember this? He to a believer, the Holy Spirit, his job is to rewrite your history. Because you got the kingdom of darkness that wants to teach you about your history. He's called an accuser of the brethren, and he teaches you all the historical data about everything you've ever done wrong, every law you've ever transgressed, and why you are not worthy to be in the kingdom. So God sends the governor to convict you that you are righteous, that you have been made right. He convicts the world of sin and he convicts the believer of their righteousness. The Holy Spirit is given to convince you that you have been made right with God. He is, okay, back to point three. He's the most powerful person on, on earth because he executes the, the will of the kingdom. Now, what I like about this verse, because Jesus said, if I cast out demons... By the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. I like this because it's a clash of two kingdoms. You see it? 
So here's this stronghold of demonic oppression by the kingdom of darkness. Jesus shows up with the governor and says, this part of the colony doesn't look like heaven. Remember, the role of the governor is he has no tolerance for anything that opposes the kingdom. He has no tolerance for treason. So he is sent to lead. Like he is sent not only to govern, he's sent to help you govern you. He gives you the spirit of self-control. The fruit of the spirit is self-control. Those who are led by the governor are the sons of God. Are you with me? And so when Jesus shows up and the governor and the mansion is there and they encounter something that doesn't look like heaven, for them there's only one thing to do. Subdue and take dominion. So Jesus cast out what doesn't look like the kingdom. If it doesn't look like the kingdom... It doesn't belong in your life. What I like about it is that the kingdom of darkness didn't seem to have any say in it. There wasn't a vote. There wasn't a war. There weren't even intense words. Jesus said, go. I wish you understood the power and authority given you by the Holy Spirit as much as the devil does. Like, wouldn't that be a revelation if we knew how powerful we, if we knew how powerful we were? Because the devil seems to know. And he seems to be more acquainted with our power and authority than sometimes we are. And when Jesus, and you're like, well, he was son of God. No, he was man. He was a temple and the governor was present. You're a man or a woman. You're a temple and the governor. He was the most normal citizen of the colony you would ever meet. In fact, he's the model citizen. So let's talk about Pentecost real quick. Acts chapter 2 says, when the day of Pentecost came. Now, I like old school King James because it said when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Because you got to understand it was started, uh, was it 3,500 years, something like that. So it started in the Exodus. But when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place. Old school says they were in one accord. The disciples drove Hondas. Like, that is Pentecost. Send them in a Honda. <laughs> These are the jokes. They're not good. But they're kind of funny. <laughs> and it says, Suddenly a sound like a blowing or violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. And they saw, and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to preach in tongues. 
our languages as the Spirit enabled them. Let me talk about this for a minute. Because it says when it had fully come. Today's Pentecost. When it had fully come. So it had been initiated at Mount Sinai. When it was initiated, think about this. Just think about the parallels really quick. There was a sound from heaven. If you go back and read in Exodus, there was a sound from heaven. The spirit came down. The law was given and 3000 people died at the fulfillment. There was a sound from heaven. The spirit came down and grace was given and 3000 people were born again. What did Paul say? The law kills, but the spirit gives life. The law was given, but, but, but the Old Testament, Ezekiel says it this way. God said, I'm going to do away with the law of stone and I'm going to write on the tablet of your heart. The law is no longer going to be external, but internal. And that is the fulfillment of Pentecost because the governor keeps the law. And so he is sent. Now, we got to think about the strategy because the governor is sent. Now, I want you to think about this because people get all scared of tongues. Let me explain something about that. The governor comes and he teaches culture and he teaches language. He teaches the language of the kingdom from which he came. In Genesis chapter 11, there's a story about the Tower of Babel. Do you guys remember this from Felt Board Sunday School class? Is the big tower reaching up to the heavens, right? Now, if you read that story, what you realize is mankind had one language. And they unified together and said, we're going to build a tower to the heavens. And God said... This is what he said, and they don't have this scripture, but, but just so I'll read it to you. It says, he says, if as one people speaking one language, they begin to do this, nothing they plan to do will be impossible. One people, one language, nothing is impossible. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, Did I tell you that they all had one language before the Tower of Babel? I wonder what that language was. You're going to make the mistake. A lot of people make the mistake of saying Hebrew. No, Hebrew is the language we pick up in with Israel, with Abraham in Genesis 12. But God came down. The only way to... The only way for God to stop man when they were unified in purpose with one language was to confuse the language. Because he said they got one language and they're one. Anything they do is possible. Anything they want to do, nothing's impossible. So when the day of Pentecost fully came, they were in one accord, unity, and God sent one language. The governor came with a language. 
Now, why? Because they had been given an impossible task. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Surely you have received or freely you've received, freely give. Jesus' last words were not go. They were wait. Because what Jesus knows is you can't go do what he's called you to do until you wait on what he died to give you. Better yet, on who he died to give you. So when the day of Pentecost fully came, the church was unified, or the 120, and the governor came and immediately began to teach language and culture to represent the king and the kingdom. To give them, but you shall receive power. The most powerful person in the world lives in you and wants to give you the power to take dominion over the colony as an ambassador of the kingdom. And I think you need to understand that the, the new birth is about restoring the governor, us to the governor, and the governor to us. Pentecost, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, is about restoring the power of the governor to our life. The new birth, being born again, prepares you for heaven. Being baptized with the Holy Spirit prepares you for earth. That's why he would not send them out into the earth. He said, don't go. Don't go yet. But go to Jerusalem and wait on the promise from the Father. And you will be endued with power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you go. Then you go. You got to get the governor in the mansion and you got to get connected to the power of the government and then you go. And that's what, that's what Pentecost is. That's what today is. It's about restoring the power of the governor and the power of the government back to the people in the colony so that we can go and do what God's called us to do. And I know you're sitting here, and, and I don't know if you've heard me teach on this, and, and I don't have time, but when people talk about the feast, they say, well, Pentecost, they say, well, you, you, don't, you don't experience Pentecost. 
Because we experience Passover, we call it salvation. We experience tabernacles, we call that the second coming. Why is it we experience every feast except Pentecost? Why is it that's even taught that way? Because just about every denomination will acknowledge this is Pentecost Sunday. Some will say, though, it comes with no experience. But Passover comes with an experience. Tabernacles comes with an experience. Why can I experience Passover and why can I experience tabernacles, but I can't experience Pentecost? Well, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, it came with an experience. And that experience also were to some of the very disciples Jesus had breathed into and said, receive the Spirit of God. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is when the governor goes from being resident to president. It's when the power of the governor and the power of the government is restored to us as citizens so that we can go as ambassadors. And anywhere we see something that doesn't look like the kingdom, we have the governor and the government and the power and the authority. Just like Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the government's here and the governor's here and the power's here and the authority is here. And this is what the life of someone in the kingdom who's in the colony is supposed to look like. Why don't you stand with me? God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the Holy Spirit. Would you do that? I just, maybe just where you're at, head bowed, maybe hands out, either way. But just for a moment, can you just with me, church, say, Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit. God, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here, you are with us, you are in us. And maybe you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And maybe that's scary or intimidating. I, I think if it is, it's because probably you had a bad experience. I don't think you had a bad experience with God. I think most of the time we, we, we don't yield to and pursue the things of the Spirit, not because we had a bad experience with the Holy Spirit. We had a bad experience with man. And I would just say, you know what? Don't, don't judge the Holy Spirit by a bad experience at church. And I just want to pray as we, as we conclude here. I just want to pray for you that you'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, I just want you to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you say, what does that mean? It's very simple. I mean, it's, you're saying, Holy Spirit, come fill me. Like fire rests upon me. Jesus said, I baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. It's different than water. It's powerful. And you say, well, I speak with, with tongues. Highly likely, I believe you can. What's entailed in that? I, I don't think it's as complicated sometimes as we make it. I think fear and anxiety get in the way, but I think it's just one of those things where you say, God, I want everything that, that you want to give me, and I'm not going to limit the power of God in my life and the person of the Holy Spirit in my life, and I'm not worried about a doctrine right now, but I want to be filled with the Spirit. And 
And I believe when you feel the prayer, I believe you, it's not an emotion, but you feel him. And, and if you want a prayer language, as we say, speaking in tongues, a prayer language, um, I believe it's a promise of the Father. He's a promise. And I believe you can receive that. And I think it's just resting in Him and receiving it. And He's not going to possess you and make you do anything weird. But many times with people, as they're asking, they're wanting to be filled with the Holy Spirit, they'll, they'll kind of feel like these syllables bubbling up. They don't really understand them. They don't really know what they are. And what I'd say is that's where everything in the kingdom is by faith. You just start speaking out the syllables. Really. You know how to do it loudly. You can do it quietly. It's not about volume. It's just about surrender. And so, Lord, I just pray right now, even though it's a quick, probably not so great explanation, God, I believe hunger and the, the Holy Spirit can supersede the explanation of man. And so, God, I just pray for those in this room or watching online who want to be full of the Holy Spirit. God, I want to be full of the Holy Spirit. I want to be baptized fresh in the Holy Spirit today. And God, I just pray if there are people in this room, God, that, that want that are at home, Lord, I pray right now that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. That you would baptize us with the Holy Spirit. That we would have faith just to, just to speak it out, to surrender, to yield, but God, that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. God, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, God, there was a sound from heaven and the Holy Spirit came in power. And God, we want to see the power of the Holy Spirit again. And so God, we just say, Philip, would you do that? Just it maybe even lift your hands if you're comfortable doing that. Even if you're at home, you can lift your hands and say, God, fill us with the Holy Spirit. Baptize us with the Holy Spirit. God, we want the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit, Lord. And right now, when we're, if you're, as we would say, seeking and asking God for the Holy Spirit to be baptized, the Holy Spirit, right now I just want to say if there are people that you need a relationship with Jesus, whether you're watching online or whether you're in this room, but but you know right now in the presence of God, you are not close to God. You need a relationship with God. I want to pray with you. And so I, I don't, I just, no one's looking around, but if that's you, whether you're at home or in this room, I want you just to lift your hand up to God. Not to me, it's not for me, but it's to God. You just lift your hand real high and say, God, I want a relationship with God. That's what I want. Even if you're in your living room all by yourself, it's a sign just to God. It's kind of surrender, like, God, here I am. And that's what I want. And if that's you, then I want to pray with you and you would, you would, it's, the words aren't important, it's the heart, but I'll help you with some words to get you going. But you make a declaration of faith. God, I believe in your son, Jesus. This is what you could pray. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe he died and rose again. And I ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me, to make me a new person, to help me to follow you. And God, I pray as they pray that, that prayer, God, you would change them forever. They would sense your presence and you would help them to follow you. And God, for our church, God, we want to see the power of the kingdom. We want to see the power of the kingdom, which means, God, that we've got to be in close proximity to the governor, that we've got to stay with the governor, that we've got to seek the governor, that we've got to be filled with the governor. God, give us that hunger 
in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Yeah, come on. Can you give Jesus praise? I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. If, if you're on our prayer team, we end all of our worship experiences with a time of prayer. If you want someone to pray with you concerning the Holy Spirit or salvation or our sickness or whatever it may be, we would love to pray with you and partner with you. Online, if you need prayer, you can text My Pathway Prayer to 77977 and we'll, someone will get in touch and pray with you. Everybody else, we say a big God bless you. We love you so much. Have an amazing day and we'll see you next weekend.